hello and welcome to Talking Sense, the Sensibility Podcast. I'm your co-host, Erin. And I'm your co-host, Kat. And today we have a guest co-host, Stephen Payton. Hello. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, my name's Stephen Payton. I'm a journalist slash columnist um, and terribly online as a human being. <laughs> uh, and I tend to kind of focus on covering issues around like LGBT rights, environmentalism and Scottish independence. Great. <laughs> Welcome to our Pride episode. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for joining us. Um, so, hell of a Pride month this fu- so far, huh? Yes, it has been a month. Yes. <laughs> and it's, let's see, we're recording this right at mid-month. <laughs> Just about. Yep. Yes, it is the 16th of June, so it's, we're right in the middle of it. So God knows what's happened between now and when this actually gets released. But... Um, so far, we've had unprecedented attacks on Stonewall. Mm-hmm. Um, yep, check. We've had um, the UK government distancing itself from uh, diversity education. We've had... We've had Hungary. Yeah, we've had Hungary. Hungary's just been in the news. We've mm-hmm. had Hungary. Says. Continuing their trend of rolling yep. back rights on everybody. But this, this month, of course, they picked the LGBT community. Well, not everybody. I mean, you'll still have straight white men are going to be <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But they're like, um, is it Poland or Hungary that decriminalize like domestic abuse? Like, I think maybe both. Mm. Keep women in the house safe and alone. So <laughs> we can... Yeah. And uh, this month we've also had uh, everybody losing their collective minds over NHS staff wearing a rainbow badge to say, hey, it's okay to come talk to me about certain issues yeah this feels really sinister to me for two reasons one because of just like this entire pride month being one long sustained attack on the entire community mm-hmm. and two of course the nhs rainbow badge scheme um has been around for a while and um when um covid started and the rainbow suddenly became a symbol of the nhs and hope and dealing with this covid stuff um that sort of diluted the meaning of NHS staff wearing rainbow badges and now we're just attacking the whole concept of that being a, a supportive thing for the LGBT community <laughs> so well so can you take me back a little bit and explain it to the straight lady um about because I know that they're the badges that they're wearing now are like a pride badge that has the what do you with the it's got the brown it's the integrated badge the progress pride Fly. thank you i couldn't yeah remember what it was actually called um and and for the covid stuff like my kids put stuff in the windows that was like you know a half arc rainbow which was very different from the pride rainbow flag mm-hmm. so th- did this program roll out beforehand and was it yeah the pride flag or so this is an older program that's been around for for years and it's sort of i don't, I don't know how official it was but just that like nhs staff who were like clued up on lgbt issues and were lgbt friendly would wear um, pride flag badges and they were the um the they're the six stripe pride flag right before this which mm-hmm. isn't the same as the sort of like rainbow rainbow but is like pretty close um and basically there were a lot of kind of concerns when people started using rainbows as like a covid hope nhs support symbol that this was not just diluting that particular scheme but also um just like generally out in public before when you saw a rainbow on like a shop or whatever that was specifically a symbol you know to indicate support of our community and then suddenly there were rainbows everywhere and that sort of diluted the meaning of that somewhat um and then recently they've just changed to the progress pride 
flag on the LGBT MHS rainbow scheme. Um, I don't know if that I, I don't know if that was planned a long time in advance or not, but the backlash has been unbelievable. Yeah, and it's it, the interesting thing is like the I mean, like you say, the the rainbow flag badges for NHS like mm-hmm. they existed for quite a long time, and it was understood that if you saw somebody wearing that badge who was like on staff you knew that as an lgbt person you could talk about um health issues relating to that Mm -hmm. that you know you might have been slightly worried about because not necessarily everyone's clued up on it you know it's like if you ever go to your doctor and want to talk about mental health stuff it's a real roll of the dice about the kind of response that you're going to get Mm -hmm. and you know the rainbow badge was basically to say hey i understand this i'm good to talk to come have a chat Mm -hmm. it's been around for ages and it's the same weird thing we see with like a lot of um, weird anti-trans stuff, which is like people finding out about stuff that has been working just fine for like 15 years and then freaking out about it as if it's a brand new thing that no one's thought of. Like um, all these problems around the Gender Recognition Act. It's like, well, we have the Gender Recognition Act already. Trans people have been using bathrooms already. A lot of the stuff that you're raising is not things that are going to happen. It's things that have been happening for decades without issue. And seeing people now like lose their minds over these new badges coming in when an earlier version of it already existed, it just feels very on-brand for the entire anti-trans backlash so far. I think that's a perfect way to put it. It's <laughs> just completely on-brand. Yeah. yeah disappointing but not surprising (laughs) god i can't help but think of how important that is too to have those badges you know this is something that seems like it's so important especially for like teenagers and Mm -hmm. i mean like i'm i'm bi and like i'm married to a straight man so i like god i hate the term passing for privilege but like it's, it's actually kind of the opposite of that where like i'm assumed straight all the time um i don't feel comfortable with like the level of biphobia that exists basically everywhere like ever talking to my doctor about anything where that might come up and so like to me having that as a visible symbol of like oh this is someone who it could be safe to talk to about any anything related to that um is really really important um and the just the idea that there's this massive backlash against it and it's treating people differently and whatever it's just oh it's just very 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 upsetting yeah for me it's not even like just necessarily a safety issue although that's obviously part of it it's like doctors and nurses need to know uh an impossible amount of information Mm -hmm. you know like across the board um like there's so many different illnesses symptoms you know like (laughs) no one no one can retain all that and so you know it's it's perfectly understandable that if you approach a doctor or a nurse and you're like hey this is a health issue that is affecting me as a trans person that a cisgender person would not necessarily be experiencing because of the like you know if you're on hormones or whatever else it's just good to know that if you see someone wearing that badge they're probably going to understand what you are talking about Mm -hmm. in a way that some other people just might not because it just might not be in their radar and that's fine but it's at least nice to know this person will probably have an understanding of where they can at least point me without it becoming like a bigger thing you know (laughs) like so yeah it's it's safeguarding but it's also just knowledge and understanding that makes a lot of sense like when so like i breastfed my kids you have no idea how many doctors say the wrong things 
Especially with your first kid. Like, you're always like, I'm going to ruin my child's life or starve them or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. I By the time I had my second kid, I'd listen to some doctors who go, please don't tell anybody that. And, you know, if you're, <laughs> you usually kind of know if somebody has knowledge in that or not because they make it very, very visible. So it doesn't mean if somebody is not wearing the badge, it doesn't mean that they're hostile. It just means that that's not their area of expertise. Yeah, possibly. I mean, that was definitely, I know, one of the reasons that it was... Um brought in in the first place it wasn't just safety it was i will actually have a degree of understanding of what you're talking about why would anybody get mad at that <laughs> ah well it's interesting you should say that um <laughs> it's it's so weird and it's it's not weird actually it's it's very predictable but um one of the most frustrating things like as a trans person who's been watching a lot of this debate around our lives is how much we see it um, our, our concerns around how the debate again debate is being conducted like when 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 we've raised concerns about like, look you're talking about rolling back legislation that's already there you're talking about you know bringing in sometimes quite right-wing talking points but sort of repurposed and redressed to be more liberal sounding because that's unfortunately something that is happening as well like we raise these concerns and people say like, no 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 we're not talking about rolling back right so we're not talking about doing this we're only concerned about self-id because we've heard you know there's legitimate concerns right and then like two days later you get this backlash to the nhs using rainbow flags you're like see you keep telling me it's about this one very specific thing but all of your behavior says otherwise you know, and, and it's really frustrating to see, like, when we raise these concerns, them sort of being dismissed by, well, it's just people with legitimate concerns. It's like, no, if you saw everything that they were saying, you would not hold that opinion. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, this is the thing, right? They've actually, they've been, so there's the, um, when we were, we were talking about Hungary earlier for a second, and um, one of the things that, like, one of the terms people use when they're talking about how, like, Orban's been able to um, just, like, crush the opposition to talk about like salami slicing the um the opposition finding like like teeny teeny little slivers of issues that like one part of the opposition can't agree with another part of the opposition can't agree with another part of the opposition and just like thinly thinly slicing it apart and um that's like sort of what we're seeing here when they pick these like these wedge issues where they find like one tiny tiny little thing that could sound reasonable to one demographic and then just like use that to push more and more extreme talking points yeah something that really really gets to me is how many people are very keen on what seems like outing people going we need to absolutely know and it's like well but isn't that the same as outing somebody again i can only relate this as to like when I was pregnant and somebody told people at work before I was ready, it was devastating. But then again, that is nowhere near the same thing, you know? Um, and I just, anything that's going to out somebody, I'm just kind of like violently opposed to it. Just from that like small glimpse into what that felt like. Yeah. It feels a bit like the whole thing of like people's trans status must be disclosed is kind of coming from a place that views the the fact that that person is trans means that in some way they are a threat or a danger and then therefore that must be the reason that people know that they are a transgender person. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, if we're talking about, like, 
dating, which is where this often will end up suddenly sliding to, is if there's some sort of like secret coercive element to it, is like, broadly speaking, transgender people, like regardless of where they are on or if they are ever going to pursue surgery are pretty open about who they are like you know if you're going to get on a date with someone <laughs> you generally have conversations particularly ahead of sex to kind of like discuss where your boundaries are or whatever else and it's like to to act as if like all these trans people are like trying to sneak under the radar um is is, is absolutely wild it doesn't make any sense unless you're coming from it with this sort of mindset of trans people are a threat and that is the way they must be treated which is kind of coming back to other conversations we can have about how gay people are viewed in the 80s and 90s you know well it's all the exact same language isn't it about like they don't belong in sports teams they don't belong in bathrooms they don't belong in changing rooms um threat to children and like it's the exact same language like i mean we've got the you know anti-trans sort of people in in scotland now trying to claim that the scottish government is in cahoots with all of the lgbt charities to like reduce the age <laughs> of consent to 10 which is completely ludicrous and like it was like QAnon, extremely yeah it was QAnon level connecting unrelated pieces of information because the ilga said that like we need to like decriminalize adolescence like expressions of sexuality and what they clearly mean stop criminalizing 16 year olds for having relationships with each other mm. stop like having unequal ages of consent between lgbt people and straight people and like don't basically criminalize teenagers for having a sexuality and then some one of the conspirators went and said aha but this other organization says the definition of adolescent is over the age of 10 yep. therefore they want to decriminalize it's just, no, this isn't how any of this works. This isn't how words work. See, what you've done there, Erin, is this little thing of taking a, a quote and then putting it into the context in which it was written. Yes. And a lot of people aren't interested in doing that <laughs> when it doesn't benefit them. Like, watching the fallout for that was absolutely wild because, well, first of all, I mean, it was such an intentionally bad faith reading of yes. what had actually been written. And then the fact it took the definition of adolescent from an entirely disconnected organisation. Yes. That, had not necessarily factored into like when that was written and then i think most importantly was the fact that they said this is what stonewall is proposing because stonewall is a part of this organization yes and it's like cool <laughs> so are about 150 other organizations yeah and the fact you've singled right in on the lgbt rights one i went aha yeah. pedos says a lot about what you were looking for mm -hmm. what what you were looking to find and not what is actually there that was what was most revealing about that yeah. to me it's so sinister how many of these things like i see a lot of them as an obsession with stranger danger and whipping up the you don't know what's out there and it's like you know who usually is the perpetrators of these kind of assaults it's your family most of the time it's yeah. not a stranger. It's not somebody who's tricking you. It's a family member. It's a friend. Like, that is what we need to be scared about. That's what we need to be nervous about. Like, a false sense of security does no one any favors. And it's yeah. just, ah, oh, just makes me so mad. Especially because, like, you know, a lot of the people who are arguing or making this case against transgender people or whatever else, it's like, they are, you know, in other aspects of their politics, like, pretty feminist. It's like, they know this. Mm -hmm. like they know those stats they know that they know that that is where you know assault tends to come from not from strangers but from people close to you it just gets kind of thrown out the window when it's not 
relevant to the argument about people using bathrooms with transgender people or how men are apparently going to pretend to be trans to come into bathrooms it's like they don't need to do that yeah no they don't they're already assaulting people no exactly whoever thought a public toilet was a safe space i mean come on (laughs) and they're scary that's where all the slasher flicks have like people getting murdered (laughs) (sighs) they didn't have a gender self-id oh my god sorry that like horrible scene in scream okay yes <laughs> <laughs> and of course like this extends to like um you know just coming into pride month at the end of, of may you know like on the uk level the like the ehrc left the stonewalls like diversity champion program like mm-hmm. the ehrc like i'm incoherent with like rage right now and um i mean the reason i've been paying attention at the uk level as much as the scottish level is that um I'm one of the the founders of the the Conversion Therapy Scotland um, campaign group, and um, one of the frustrations that we've had is that um, there's been a response of, uh, well, the 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 government, the 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 Westminster government has pledged to bring in a ban on conversion therapy, and um, you know, in order to 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 have the most efficient use of legislative time, if they're producing a ban, we want to just sort of like replicate their ban, and if they don't move to bring a ban, we will, but. Um, the chances of us getting an actual conversion therapy ban that is inclusive of trans people and doesn't have a dozen loopholes is not good. Um, and I'm really concerned that um, we're in, here in Scotland going to keep kicking a can down the road on that to see what Westminster does. And I don't really feel comfortable as well with their definition of, um, well, if Westminster brings a ban, then we will just move on that they haven't given us any assurances on what they will consider an adequate ban from Westminster. So yeah, we've got kind of two levels to worry about. Yeah. They kicked the can for GRA and look, did that do any bad? Oh, only a lot. Like (laughs) (laughs) whole fucking mess. Yeah. Yeah. I had the exact same concerns when the S and P published their manifesto. It was just one of those things of just like, but why wait? Why, why bother waiting like when you could do it and you'll probably, you know, if you come at it with the right approach, have a stronger response than what you're going to get from the Tories. I mean, the Tories are shoring up this like little culture war that they're sort of propagating at the moment to build up their own base. Like, mm-hmm. they aren't interested in really putting forward an actual robust band. They're just going to play to their audience as they have been and as they're going to continue to do so, particularly using the fact that transgender people are a wedge issue Mm -hmm. it'd be so wild for me if like after everything that they've been kind of like moving forward with like kicking gra you know into space and uh meeting with these organizations if they then turned around was like all right but here's actually a robust bill on stopping people from basically being forced to um pretend that they are cisgender it's like (laughs) that would blow my mind if they could somehow pull that out (laughs) but it's not going to happen no it's not going to happen either way we're not going to get we're not going to get a robust bill no. from from Westminster, and there's no point in waiting for it. No, it certainly there certainly is no point in waiting for it because all of the relevant powers are devolved anyway. The only powers that aren't devolved are professional regulation, and that is like frankly the least part of it. Yeah, um, most of conversion therapy that happens is in informal environments. So we have the power in Scotland to ban, like criminally ban. Um, provision of forcing someone to undergo advertising or removing someone from Scotland to undergo conversion therapy. So we, we should just do it. Yeah. So is there any chance that they can like bundle this with the GRA? 
and like get it through. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just cram two pieces of really controversial <laughs> legislation together and hope for the best. Let's get it over with. Like, we need to do this, and some people are going to be mad. Where is it? Like, I'm tapping my watch right now. Like, where's our GRA bill? <laughs> not anytime soon. I know. So, like, Stephen, you're not a party member, so that's this is great. I am not. <laughs> well, I want to hear an outside perspective of, like, what'll surprise you. I mean, I, I don't know how soon it could come. Like, I understood the argument when it got kicked down the road that the pandemic had to take priority, right? That's an entirely reasonable position. It's just that given the time when it was kicked down the road, and I'm pretty sure there was a comment from one MSP talking about kicking it into the long grass, which means something very different. Like, given the absolute failure of the SNP to actually tackle transphobia within the party, and given the fact that they had already repeatedly delayed GRA reform, despite the fact that you got a consultation coming back saying the majority of people supported it, despite the fact that feminist organisations come out and said, we support it, despite polling saying, what's up, most women support this, like, and then to sort of kick it down the line again, it's just like, I couldn't honestly even begin to sort of say when I think it'll make a reappearance, um, you know, other than that, I mean, I guess it's the potential that if there is going to be some sort of cooperation agreement between the SNP and the Scottish Greens, the Greens might be like, this needs to be a degree of a priority. Good God, I hope so. I could potentially bring it back around again, but it's it's hard to say when it would happen. And it would be nice for it to happen, particularly because, you know, I know Nicola Sturgeon's kind of voiced that she wants to fix the damage that's been done i don't think the party's unfortunately done anything to actually fix that yet or you know made any steps to do that at least not publicly other than saying they would um so yeah it's very frustrating to be a transgender person in scotland at the moment and knowing that the kind of governing party isn't actually moving forward with any of the legislation that it was elected on and has now been re-elected on in terms of manifesto promises to bring the GRA up to date and importantly as well to properly invest in like transgender healthcare. You know, which is which is a huge issue as well that gets less less attention, but it really shouldn't because it's probably more concerning and more urgent than GRA reform. Yes, I would yeah, I agree that um it's like urgent that um gender identity clinic wait times are brought in line with every other nhs wait time mm -hmm. that was probably the thing in the manifesto that made me go you know this is giving me a little hope that they they pledged to put some more money to that because it's harder for it's hard to argue with that hey it's more health care that's what you wanted right yeah. <laughs> but um yeah we've had we've had some talks about women's health now yesterday i think we've had pandemic recovery help and you know, like, where is it? I, I'm not yeah. hearing enough about it, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Given we're talking about health funding, let's, uh, yeah, because, yeah, we had uh, cancer robots today and uh, and um, endometriosis today. So, cool. come on, guys. I feel extremely guilty sometimes. My husband quit the party over the transphobia. Then he realized, you know, we're from America, so we're, like, Democrats on the far left of that party and we kind of it's just feel like you're banging a head, your head against a wall all the time mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's I mean yeah exactly I, I mean I don't necessarily have an answer of exactly what people can do to be better other than just like continue to remain vocal 
you know like obviously there's arguments for like why you should leave the party and arguments for why you should stay in the party and when a lot of people left the party it did seem to actually prompt action um you know i can also understand the perspective of um wanting to stay in to like facilitate change like out for independence have been doing Mm -hmm. it's um there's not necessarily a clear answer i don't think um it's just about remaining vocal and supportive and understanding of where people are coming from and what and you know really trying to like facilitate change as well like within the party from 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 your own actions and and pushing for that legislation to kind of be relevant still you know because yeah i know the smp likes to listen to its members every now and then so you know (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh sorry i shouldn't have laughed so hard at the idea that smp likes to listen to its members (laughs) i mean i'd say every now and then so (laughs) yes (laughs) i i think a lot of times like when actually the whole like public or at least the whole membership not the people just shouting on social media vote on things it's actually more progressive than you would think like i usually am like oh okay maybe i can keep going because when all the screaming stops and there's an actual vote it seems to usually go the right direction or the left direction um (laughs) but (laughs) yeah like when the hate crimes bill was happening right like um a lot of us watched that with like deep concern over how that was going to go and then it like it was not even close so yeah it sometimes when the screaming stops mm-hmm. the voting actually turns out a lot better than you expect it to though gosh the entire process of that hate crimes bill was um ugly ugly mm-hmm. very ugly and very similar to GRE. i mean that's when we got that's when we had our one of our waves of resignations actually was over the amendments to the hate crimes bill what were you saying Stephen? i was just saying it's very similar to the gra and that like what people were saying it stood for didn't really necessarily align with what it actually stood for. Um, Maybe we should do a little 101 level explanation for our listeners about what this legislation actually does. Okay, so... God, yeah. Let's let's define self-ID for the people who are listening. Yeah, and here's what it does and does not actually do. Yeah. You know, like in terms of access to bathrooms or anything like that. No one's asking for a birth certificate when you're going into a bathroom. So therefore, self-ID has nothing to do with that and never has. Yes. And actually, the people that would want a job checking genitals oh, at a bathroom door, on a toilet door, are probably not the people you want to do that. Like, who would have that job? You just made me slightly ill, cat. No, no, they're just fine, upstanding citizens who definitely want to check what's in a kid's trousers. And they can be trusted far more than a transgender person just trying to take a piss. <laughs> yes. Don't you know? Exactly. When you actually sit and think about it, it's like, oh, wait, <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But for our listeners, all self-ID means is that to change your birth certificate, you don't need to go through years of dealing with the medical establishment. It means, is it, is it, is it a notarized thing or an oath or an affidavit or something? And then you go and get your birth certificate changed. That's it. Instead, That's all they mean by self-ID. That, that, that's, that's it. It just makes it slightly easier to get your birth certificate changed. That's it. I mean, other other pieces of um, sorry, just quickly, other other pieces of information like people's passports and driving licenses are far easier to change, and oftentimes are already updated to be like the right gender marker. It's just birth certificates that have been the slightly more difficult one, and and the question always being, when was the last time you ever really had to use a birth certificate? You know, it's pretty much just a it's 
that's what was so weird about the GRA reform. Um, the anger around it is like, and I think one of the reasons maybe people come into it slightly naively is that like on paper, this is nothing. Yeah. This is like such a minor piece of legislation to just like, oh, we'll just bring that in line with everything else that is already in place. I don't think anyone was ready for like it becoming this flashpoint for something bigger. No. Like, because, because like, again, when you, when you really dig into what self-ID is, what GRE reform is, it is like a piddly little bit of legislation, which is one of the reasons I'm, I'm really annoyed about like when I see Alba trying to mask their whole anti-trans thing was like no 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 people should have a right to make a decision so we should have a citizens assembly about it it's like well that's like having a citizens assembly to decide what you're gonna have for dinner it's it's so much effort <laughs> for for something <laughs> almost inconsequential in the scheme of things you know it's the 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 amount of backlash to it is bonkers anyway <laughs> Yeah, see, that's the thing. I've got two things to say about that. One, yes, they want a citizen's assembly on something that is fundamentally just, like, so tiny. Like, ways to make it easier to change your birth certificate. Which, duh. But, like, the other thing is, they want a citizen's assembly, which, if chosen at random, is almost certainly going to be 99% cis people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, to decide on the rights of a a small and vulnerable minority. That's not how minority rights in a liberal democracy work you do not have the majority decide on the rights of the minority because uh, like liberal democracy means more than just the majority rules it means guaranteed rights and it means protection of 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 the rights of people who don't compose the majority it it just blows my mind that we have lost the basic conception of what the other things that go along with democracy are Something that like really always drives it home for me is how deeply anti-immigrant it is for it to be your birth certificate and for, you know, passports and driver's licenses, ID you carry on you are already different, but it's about a birth certificate that you have to be born here for it to apply to you. Because what happened with um, um, Riddle's job, she doesn't have self-ID. Of course she doesn't. She wasn't born here. It doesn't matter if you have self-ID her or not, because it wouldn't change her non-British birth certificate. Like, right, right, right. So when, like, what you mean is when they say, like, oh, you should have to have a GRA to do X, Y, Z thing. It's like, or like a gender recognition, sorry, GRC, gender recognition certificate. You should have to have that to be able to do X, Y, Z thing. But you can only get that if you're trying to change your birth certificate, which you can only do if you were born here. Yeah, you're already saying, like, okay, the, all these immigrants, they can't get one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. According to this like policy so that's just another way they can like other minimize people that aren't born you know you're not supposed to have to be born in scotland to be scottish right yeah <sighs> we're both immigrants so we both get very angry about immigrant issues <laughs> no but it's just, it's just one of them, like another way where it's like this discussion has just fundamentally overlooked people's circumstances and where they're coming at it from and it's viewing it in a very small-minded way the discussion about what it is to be a trans person like you know it's when when we're talking about like legal documents that's not what makes somebody a transgender person they already are that person they already are the gender that they align with Mm -hmm. it's literally just about bringing documentation in to make their lives slightly easier and living within a society that requires that we have all these documents yeah you know it's the documents don't make the person, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same way that you're still gay, even if you haven't got gay marriage yet. You know, like, <laughs> it's still... 
but that was like a thing it's like if the legislation didn't exist well you know before gay marriage was was legal cool people were still having the equivalent of what a long-term or not the equivalent we're having like a long-term loving relationship like same-sex relationships they were basically the exact same as as what you would call marriage mm -hmm. just not recognized legally in the eyes of the state you know just the state sometimes takes a little bit longer to catch up uh which is unfortunate yeah we all just need a little bit better education like i hate how much crap the tie campaign gets because like my son was in p1 when they started when that got implemented and like it's just really great it's great as he learns stuff like he's nine now and like the vocabulary that kids have like that gives me hope for the future a little bit <laughs> even when it gets me down because it's like oh my gosh you get it like mm -hmm. kids just automatically get it the things they can understand and just never ceases to amaze me it's why growing up um here like a lot of the time when I was at high school, it was after Section eight, Section 28 had been repealed, or Section 2A in Scotland, and, you know, that wasn't in place anymore, but it was kind of like, okay, cool, we've taken away the ban and discussing these issues, but we haven't actually brought anything into the education system around it, so it still kind of existed functionally <laughs> for quite a while after that, you know, even if you couldn't go to jail for mentioning it anymore, but it just means that, like, so many of us grew up without ever having access to that education, you know, and not being able to find things out about ourselves until much later. And it's one of the reasons I think, you know, you're talking about like kids now coming home and having this like better understanding of like, you know, your social relationships and the people around them is great and it's good for everyone. In fact, actually, I think I saw, I'm sure I saw a study today showing that like um, the sort of like health and well-being of LGBT kids was improved in schools with inclusive education but also the psychological well-being of straight children as well like everyone benefited because everyone had a better understanding of i guess the world around them as a result it was just it was a good thing for everyone and yeah <laughs> yeah i think um i think like i think it totally makes sense that it also improved things for the straight kids because like every kind of oppression is linked together, right? Like, um, like transphobia is related to homophobia is related to, to misogyny. Like they're all, they're all related. And if you're improving kids understanding of, um, of LGBT issues, you're also, um, probably improving their sort of, um, ability to see like, gender um expression and gender presentation even of like cis people or straight people in a more like wide scope so probably far less like bullying artsy even like cishet boys and like probably less bullying straight sporty girls and, and that sort of thing as well like i think it's probably just better for everyone yeah anything that undermines the patriarchy is is good for everyone involved yes <laughs> traditional gender roles can get to fuck like i hate them i hate them i hate them <laughs> they ruin everything for everyone no matter who you are no matter what you know who you love they ruin everything <laughs> yeah they just just get in the way entirely that's good well do you want to tell us anything else about yourself like i know you introduced yourself and what you do or anything but like 
I don't know. You're you're the first person that's like Scottish born in Scotland, I think. Oh, yeah. You're the first Scottish person on the show. Interesting. The first non-New Scot. Huh. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. It's nice to nice to have a New Scots podcast, which recognizes what it actually is to be a New Scot. That's a lovely thing. <laughs>